Hey, Marcel. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me here. It's such an honor. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you for like agreeing to do this because I've been I've known you a bit and been following mm-hmm. your work and I'm so impressed and I wanted to share with the world. So I'm really happy we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so before we get into the work you're doing uh, with Bitcoin data and, and how you got into Bitcoin, I thought like maybe we could start with, you know, with who you are and and what your life is like these days and, and what it was like to live uh, and grow up in Kenya. Okay, Um Interesting question. Very wide. <laughs> so yeah, so my name is um, Lorraine Marcel, uh, popularly known as Marcel here in Kenya by friends and family. Um, um, of course, I'm the founder of Bitcoin Dada. I am an entrepreneur. I run my own events company called Lorraine's Events. I am also a forex trader, something that shocks people. <laughs> I trade synthesis, I mean indices, sorry. I trade indices. And um, what else can I say about me? I love music. I love music. I am an indoor person. Um, I would pick Netflix and chill over, <laughs> over stepping out. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? So growing up in Kenya, I think for me, it was, I've seen the both sides. I would say that coming from an average family, you know, I've seen both sides. I've seen the good and I've also seen the bad. And um it was fun, you know, being a millennial, you know, I've seen technology come in and advance, you know, with every year, with every decade. Um, I remember, if I can just give you like an example, I remember when you were growing up, um, around four years, five, six, seven years, between four to eight years, we didn't have the phone, you know, so people would communicate over faxes, uh, like for the ones who, who are in urban areas, um, and then we also had the letters. So it was kind of interesting seeing our parents communicate over letters, you know, having to go all the way to their city to just post our mail. It was really interesting. And then the phone came and the computers came and they were this kind of the back, the, the computers with the back, whatever, with the back. It was quite interesting uh, being in junior school and being among the families that owned a computer. <laughs> it was fun and we'd play solitaire. Those were the only things that were available on their computer. We'd play solitaire, you know, and all of a sudden we had we had the Facebook and things really changed. And uh, right now the world has really become like a global community, which was not there when I was growing up. So I have seen the, those kind of changes and it's really interesting for me. And sometimes I do miss that particular era. Sometimes I'm like, hey, uh, with the advancements of technology, things have become pretty easier, you know, uh, with in terms of medical care has improved uh, communication, job opportunities, all that kind of stuff. But then again, with technology, there's also the disadvantage side of it, so the bad side of it, because now we are seeing cases where um, technology is actually uh, like sort of bringing apart families, you know, that bond that we used to have. Because I remember, and this is funny, because when I was growing up, we we were like the only family that owned a television set you know, mm-hmm. in the in the entire estate. So on, on Saturday evenings, we'd have 
people, our neighbors come and watch certain uh, shows. And it was really interesting. It was fun, this communal setup, you know, it was like a small village in the urban centers. But right now everybody has all this stuff. So we really, really don't need each other, you know, as, as long as I'm in my house, I'm secure. I don't need to know my neighbor, you know, yeah. I don't need to know my neighbor. I don't need to know how he's doing. Um, he's doing his own thing or he or she's doing their own thing. And then there's also me. So there's also that. And as a millennial, I kind of miss that. I would call it the dark age. <laughs> I so sometimes I miss that. But then again, technology has really changed how things have been for us. So um, basically, that is how I would say how I experienced growing up in Kenya. And Kenya being like a tech hub for Africa, we've had this uh, uh, we've had this advancement of technology very easy for us, you know, as compared to some of the countries, our neighboring countries. So that said, um, it has given Kenyans access to things like good education, again, medical care, you know, a, a lot of job opportunities as well. So it has really helped us advance. So yeah, so basically that is it. Wow. Oh my gosh. First of all, you're fascinating. Uh, Forex trader, event planner, music lover, Netflix and chill. <laughs> but that's so interesting. You talk about like the just remembering, obviously, like um, life before and after the internet. And I do as well in, in Venezuela. And I mean, I'm also a millennial, so I remember just playing outdoors all the time. And then when the, in, the computer came into the house. I was like, oh, I don't want to be in it. I hate this thing. I don't like turn it off. And, you know, a lot of our lifestyles have changed since then just so dramatically. And, and it's really uh -huh. cool that you got to experience um, Nairobi as a tech hub, just go through that transition of, you know, everybody kind of being there for each other, but then, you know, booming all the industries like education and I guess economics as well. How, how do you see like, um, cause we all have, at least at me, I have this idea of Nairobi just being like this hustle and bustle really, you know, kind of a more advanced. Um, how do you see the, the gap between men and women when it comes to careers and finances? Um, I would say, okay, so we kind of tend to face a lot of barriers, uh, significant barriers. But then I'd also add this, um, it also depends on your background because if you're coming from a good background, uh, mm -hmm. so it really doesn't matter whether you're female or male, you know, because uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, money speaks. But this is the thing, majority of Kenyans don't come from a wealthy background. That's the, that's a fact. So you have like things that limit women, things like um, cultural and societal biases, um, you know, uh, which also goes to limited access to financial services and resources. Um, it makes it, it makes women have, um, I would say, less likely to own things like land, um, have control over assets. You know, mm -hmm. it also makes it hard for women to like secure loans and start businesses just because uh, for a fact that you are female. And I'll give like a more relatable um, example. Let's assume we have a family that has kids. We have both genders. We have the females and the males. And this particular family does not have maybe enough resources to take these children to school. So, of course, we have the good thing in Kenya, we have free education for the junior primary, right? But when you get to high school, you need to pay whether your kid is going to a private school or a public school. So you find that sometimes you have mm -hmm. families who cannot afford that kind of fees. So 
This is what they do. Because of your gender, whether you have performed the same way, maybe both genders have done well, or even you just decided as, a, as, as parents, they decide, okay, they've not done well, but we still need to push at least one of them to get, or two of them to get education. Most of, uh, like, uh, you would find the decision is clearly based on the, on the gender because we have this mentality that um, a, a girl child, you know, they eventually grow up and get married and somebody else will have to will take care of them, you know. So we find that males tend to maybe get that education, which is a bit unfair, but um, you can't really blame our parents or such kind of families because this was, this was actually instilled into them as well. So they found it that way. It's a culture and it's way, it's ongoing. But uh, the good thing we have organizations and initiatives which are trying to teach people against um, uh, gender discrimination. Um, we also have organizations that are like microfinance, which are coming up training women on financial matters, which has really, which makes women really thrive when it comes to finances. We are seeing women starting to invest in properties, uh, real estate, we are seeing women um, opening up businesses, you know, uh, learning how to manage their own finances, making them a bit more independent through these microfinances. So yes, we, we really have a lot of this. We cannot ignore the fact that we have a significant barrier when it comes to financial inclusion and economic empowerment uh, to the Kenyan female. Um, and again, I say this might not really apply to every woman in Kenya, uh, depending on the background that they're coming from. But there are also certain cultures and certain females who actually go through worse, worse than uh, what the rest of us go through, because there are also cultures that don't believe in education. Uh, there are cultures that believe that um, the female is just supposed to get married. We have um, certain tribes, certain communities who also still um, do um, a female circumcision, you know, but like I said, the organization and initiatives that are actually trying to, to teach people, you know, just get them off these um, what backward traditions, you know, and help the, the, the girl child. So it's really helping and so far so good. And you know, when you talked about microfinance organization helping train women in finance, do you know what they're training the woman with? Like what parts of finance? Is it like saving? Is it budgeting? Is it learning to get a job and negotiating? Um, is it Bitcoin? I doubt it's Bitcoin. We will get to Bitcoin a bit later. But like, do you know what women are being taught when it comes to financial freedom and education? Okay, so mostly what they do, the microfinance, they teach them mainly on savings um, and budgeting, you know, and also how to run businesses because when they offer these loans, they also want to get a profit out of this business um, money that they are issuing them out. So they are training them on savings, uh, managing um, their budgets, um, um, running businesses, you know, that financial part of business. Um, you know, and also just negotiation skills. I've seen that, you know, I, I let me just mention, I did finance in, in campus, but I just deviated because I felt like I'm not an eight to five person. So this is some of the things that we're actually training females, you know, uh, teach them how to negotiate with, uh, with clients, you know, interact with clients and even just getting marketing their businesses out there. That's pretty amazing. 
That, and it will be so interesting to see, like, to follow the, the journey of these ladies and, and seeing what they do with their lives and, and how the socioeconomic status of those families change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just by women mm-hmm. having that education. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, even for me, like someone in the Western world, I, I didn't get any of that education. So it's amazing that, you know, it's happening in places like Kenya. Like, I don't remember learning really how to budget, how to save. Like, there was always that general conversation of, oh, you should save, you know, X amount mm-hmm. of, percent of your income. But there's no one really mm-hmm. sitting with you to talk about this, you know, like, how do you save? How do you earn? How do you negotiate? How do you also not think of money as something bad? Because something that I always talk to my family about is like, wait, why is there this stigma that wanting money is bad and it makes you um, a selfish person? You know, because that narrative is benefiting someone else. It's not benefiting me, but it's benefiting someone else, like the status quo. It's it's mm-hmm. keeping people kind of like suppressed down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I think that is the point with most of the like uh, governments as a you know, if you want to control somebody, you have to control their resources. So if we have the majority of population earning like maybe peanuts, then it will be easy to control them. So those are the kind of narratives that are pushed down our throats. And sadly, we tend to believe in them. Like, uh, for example, I'll give an example with myself and even my class. This is some of the things that we have really um, tried to unlearn, like personally, leave alone my class. I have had to unlearn this. And I didn't have, like you, I didn't have somebody come to tell me and say, money is good, money, um, you know, money creates happiness, blah, blah, blah. I just had to decide, I just had to learn this by myself. And um, sadly, women here in Kenya do not have that. And even as much as we have the microfinances reaching out even to the rural areas, and they're doing a wonderful job because they even go to the rural areas. Um, they are not, they cannot handle like the entire population. So we still have um, a large majority of the population being left out, you know, and then they also come and they also come with certain conditions, maybe your level of education, uh, you need to have a running businesses for us to actually give you this um a particular education, you know, for your business, you need to have um, an existing company, you know, so those kind of conditions also kind of cuts out a lot of women. So there's still a lot to be done um, here in Kenya. There's still a lot to be done, but I am so, I, I am happy that the government and these organizations and institutions are actually taking a step in empowering, financially empowering the, the females here in Kenya. Yeah, I love that. And I it's almost like I was just thinking as I was hearing you speak, like that campaign to get more women in Kenya to learn about uh, money. Um, but then, I mean, in the West, we're very lucky and privileged and we take money for granted and the you know opportunity for jobs for granted as well. There's a lot we take for granted and yet we don't really understand money and finances. And the more women in Kenya continue to grow in that financial journey and then, you know, get into like Bitcoin, all of that, like you give it a few decades and it'll be really interesting to see how mm-hmm. like that dynamic changes between women in you know the Western world and Kenya and Africa and where they stand with how they understand money and self you know empowerment and self sovereignty and it will be really interesting because I think it's going to shift I think uh, you know women in Kenya are going to be far more ahead in the future and and I hope so you know because there's been a lot of mm-hmm. corruption that's come out of 
Africa from the Western developed world. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, initially we we had these uh, restrictions when it came to um, women and finance. Um, like I would say, like my my grandmother's uh, generation, they did not have, they could not make decision when it comes to, when it came to finances, even in in their in their own households. Um, and currently, things have really changed. Like I mentioned, the government and these institutions are really trying to uh, get rid of this kind of mentality. So we are having women trying to actually frog leap and catch up with the male, you know, mm -hmm. and with things like Bitcoin, it's, it's actually because women are trying to make that jump and getting into business, buying property, you know, uh, and managing their own finances. It, it is the same group that's actually ending up taking up risk that shouldn't have been taken in the first place, you know. So with things like Bitcoin, this actually serves them um, the risk of like inflation, you know, losing money, you know, um, and such like things. So I think one, this is one of the reasons why I am so bullish when it comes to Bitcoin, um, because essentially Bitcoin is hope for Africa as a whole. <laughs> Bitcoin is hope for Africa. I love that. I want to hear more about it. Like, how did you get into Bitcoin? Okay, so my, I'll say my journey starts in Late twenty, let's say late late twenty seventeen. I think there was a there was, there's a lot, there was a lot of hype um, in Kenya about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as a whole. Um, I believe there was a, some sort of bull run back then, mm -hmm. and um, people were making money. People were investing in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We also had a lot of scams happening. You know, they were using that uh, to scam people. So I remember, like I said, I'm an events planner. So a certain blockchain company contracted me to organize an event for them. So I did this event and it was at this particular meeting that I had um, about the concept of decentralized finance. And of course, as an entrepreneur, this really intrigued me because one, I want to save money and not worry about inflation rates, you know. I want to actually be able to broaden my customer base. That means um, if somebody, if a foreigner comes to me and says, we want a destination wedding, we want to do it in your country, or I want to contract your services, but our wedding is, is in South Africa. I want not to think about um, the prices that I'm going to charge them because now I have to charge them in dollars, you know? And if our country has been devalued, then I have to consider that. I want to be able to, to, to make it easy for my clients to send money to me and not have to worry about the remittances fee and actually charge my clients because most of the time, it's either you go at a loss because uh, you feel like you can't charge your client or the client bears that burden, you know, because they're sending the money to you and the remittance fee are quite um, high. So you actually have to charge them extra. So Bitcoin is actually helping us as entrepreneurs in African in Kenya with all those kind of um, issues. So this really, again, this really fascinated me. And over the years, of course, I made my mistakes. <laughs> I invested in different kind of uh, coins out here and I lost money, but some also made profits. But um, I think it was the uncertainty with it. You know, this time you're making money with this particular coin or project and then the next you've lost everything. So it kind of became um an issue you know it really bothered me so in 2020 when the whole world was on lockdown 
I decided to focus on Bitcoin. This is also the time that I started uh, trading. Um, so because Bitcoin had not disappointed me and I was so sure there was no day that I would wake up and find that uh, Bitcoin has been devalued, you, you know, or affected by inflation. So I decided, let me focus on Bitcoin and just leave out the rest. And so in 2020, I learned a lot about Bitcoin and chose the Bitcoin path. I chose Satoshi Nakamoto over every other developer. <laughs> so that's my journey with Bitcoin. And um, so far, so good. Um, of course, I am seeing Africa in a different light. I am seeing Kenya in a different light with Bitcoin. I am seeing some, sometimes, so, sometimes we are so used to the problems that we have that you don't even see them as a problem. You know, when you're born in prison, um, you don't see it as prison. So when someone comes and, and shows you, like opens that door and says, hey, you can step out. And then you step, step out and you realize, oh, my God. So I was actually in prison. So Bitcoin is kind of that for me. You know, initially, I didn't even know these things about inflation, you did the value, debasement and all that thing. And, and then considering how um, all these factors affect my business, I didn't see it that way. But when I started uh, actually learning about Bitcoin, I was like, yo, I can, my life can actually be better with Bitcoin. My business can actually go better with Bitcoin. The people around me, my community can actually benefit if they only knew about Bitcoin. Africa as a whole can actually get its own freedom with Bitcoin, you know? So Bitcoin has actually been a very, a transformative tool for me. And I believe the people around me or the people who are actually using it. And so, that's beautiful. And like it, I imagine it sort of changed the way you saw Africa as well. Like you saw it, okay, we've been, you know, taken advantage of, and, you know, a lot of these things aren't necessarily our fault. Because when I learned about Bitcoin, it also changed my way of understanding Latin America. Mm -hmm. You know, Latins, like it can be easy to point fingers and say, gosh, you know, we've done this to ourselves, but there's this, you know, that, um, force outside of ourselves that has been pressing down on us. And so then when you say that you think Bitcoin is freedom for Africa, so it's really mainly you're thinking about it in that it's not debasing itself, that Bitcoin's not losing value over the long term. How else like mm -hmm. do you see, like when you think of Africa in the future as free, what does that look like in your mind? Okay, so for one, Bitcoin, I would say Bitcoin is a unifying currency for Africa. You know, um, the fact that you can actually do cross-border payments uh, without the hassle, you know, having to go through someone or some institution, it's easier. Uh, the fees are way, way less. Uh, there's no control by the governments. This actually makes it a unifying currency. It actually even improves the economy. And the fact that Bitcoin actually has the potential to provide financial services um, to people who may not have access to traditional banking systems and specifically to the unbanked or underbanked. And we know like Africa has the largest um, number of people when it comes to the unbanked and underbanked. So I feel that with all these um, features of Bitcoin, it can actually enable Africa to to want to raise its economic status, you know, um, to be get rid or be rid of 
the control that we have from the West because that's the main, the major factor. You know, with Bitcoin, um, we eliminate the dollar because most of the African currencies, actually, yeah, I'd say all, um, sort of um, follow the trend of dollars. So if there's, there's, there's inflation with the dollar, we actually suffer more. You know, so that said, I think that can even help. That also helps with imports and exports. Again, that goes back to our economy being better, which leads to better infrastructure, medical, you know, uh, medical services, education, you know, and even just growing as a community. Because I feel sometimes the social um, challenges that we face, like, um, maybe crimes, um, domestic violences, you know, um, um, poor living standards, all these are just uh, somehow attached to our economic um, way, you know, or our economic status. And when we have like an improved sort of economic status, then all these like tend to like, you know, they, they tend to minimize. So I feel even as a community in itself, the bond, the growth, Will, it will actually be successful with Bitcoin, you know? So yeah. I truly feel that Bitcoin is hope for Africa. Yeah, because if you think about it, like Africa has so many different countries and groups of people. Like in the north, you have the more Arab-speaking um, countries and, and then you've got more, you know, what we think of as African countries. But then even within those countries, you have so many subcultures and groups of people and cultures. Like... And then how do they, you know, they're so divided and, and some of these, a lot of these borders have been, you know, um, created by colonialism in, in an effort to divide and uh, mm -hmm. cause within the, the continent and not allow people to uh, be independent and revolt. So like you're saying, it's going to be really interesting to see Bitcoin grow in Africa mm -hmm. and unifying all these groups of people in terms of trade, in terms of jobs, in terms of art. Um, and just seeing like what's going to come out of Africa. It's going to be insane. I think it's going to be so cool to see. And, and it's going to happen hopefully faster than we think. Absolutely. Um, for, for now, all we can do is put in the effort, put in the work, like what I do with Bitcoin Dada, and just hope that we have more and more widespread of adoption of Bitcoin. And, um, you, you know, we, the, Bitcoin itself also has its own challenges. Um I would be I would be wrong not to mention that um, there are certain challenges that face um, uh, Bitcoin, uh, the adoption of Bitcoin in Kenya. Uh, one being um, not many people actually accept it, and then there's also the fact of the volatility of Bitcoin, the lack of infrastructure, you know, education, all these things actually kind of limits to how fast we can actually get our freedom. You know, so we're just hoping that. As more as more Bitcoiners pop up, um, we'll have them reaching out to others and not leaving others behind because that is the it is upon us. No one is going to no one is going to no one is there to save us. No one is going to save us. So it's upon us as people who are already exposed to Bitcoin to actually do something and pull back uh, the rest. You know. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a question I wanted to ask you: is like, how do you think of the volatility, and and how do you think of you know, when we say that Bitcoin helps, you know, people that aren't so well off and it helps them gain, um, retain the wealth in their currency and in their savings. But when you think of Bitcoin as being volatile, um, you know, in a way it kind of affects 
people that are low income uh, the most. So how do you mm -hmm. reconcile between Bitcoin being hope for the you know Africa, but also the volatility affecting the people that are most vulnerable? I think, um, for a thought, I think Bitcoin still has a long way, you know, when it comes to um, like creating wealth for everybody. Like you said, not many people, and especially in, in Africa. And this is the reason why, um, let me just call us, organizations such as Bitcoin Dada and other such kind of projects out there in Africa. <laughs> do not um, sell Bitcoin as a speculative asset, you know, because how many people in Kenya can actually save um, starts worth $1,000 for like uh, two, three months? Not mm -hmm. many. So actually our utility cases are different from the West, you know, because even my own class, um, I cannot really expect them to start saving on Bitcoin, yet I know how volatile Bitcoin is. So the case of making wealth through Bitcoin uh, does not really apply to Africans as a whole. What as, as Africans are using it is like just, um, I think I mentioned the use cases like cross-border remittances, <clears throat> um, what, what else? Um, uh, enabling commerce, you know, through country to country or person to person, um, uh, paying certain fees, um, paying goods and services. These are some of the use cases that, that we can actually benefit as, as, as Africans as compared to using it as a speculative asset. That said, that doesn't mean that uh, we cannot use it as a speculative asset. There are so many people who do this, but not many, not the majority of Africans because not, uh, not many of us can actually afford to buy one Bitcoin and actually um, wait, hold, hold onto it, and maybe in the next two or three years, you know. Mm -hmm. So normally what happens is even with our businesses, you, you, the, you, your clients pay for the goods or services, and either you uh, convert it into fiat, because again, Bitcoin is volatile. You don't know what will happen in the next minute. So it can actually, it's, it's, a, risky, um, it's a risky investment at this particular time. Um, so yeah, so that's all. That's it. I would just like to point out that how we see, how we perceive Bitcoin and how the West perceives Bitcoin is very different. Our use cases are quite different from um, how the West sees Bitcoin. So for us, um, the only way that Bitcoin is going to save us if we is if we use it on a daily basis, not buying it and holding it. So for us, it's better Bitcoin. Buy Bitcoin, use it, and replace. Buy Bitcoin, use it, and replace. Creating a circular economy. Exactly. And filling up your, yeah, because that was something, at least for me, I've, I was like, oh, I don't want to spend my Bitcoin. And, and that this idea of like, you spend it, then just replace the amount that you spent and mm -hmm. keep the amount that you had uh, really works well. But, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And it's really interesting to um, ask those questions to people around the world, you know, the, the volatility, like, you know, um, I think in the Western world, it's seen as like, oh, well, it's volatile. I, I can't trust it. And then it, in some other parts, it's like, oh, it's volatile. Well, that works in my favor. Or at exactly. least it's volatile, uh, it trending up. Or I don't care about the volatility. This is what I need. I need something I can rely on that is not going to, to censor me, that is not going to create a, a nightmare for me to open an account. And so it's really like fascinating just to hear all these opinions about it. Um, mm -hmm. And just like people in need 
just look past these short-term pains. They they mm-hmm. understand that the money is broken and they're just like, okay, well, I need I need something to rely on. I understand, you know, Bitcoin is not perfect. Okay, but you know, it, it's a better option for now. And and there continues to be innovation and uh, people building on top of the Bitcoin network and like all the projects, all the businesses, everything that is being built on right now, it takes time to build and to work out and to improve. And so, yeah, like you were saying, you know, it has a lot of uh, imperfections at the moment, but trust that there are a lot of people being invested in this system and, and working really hard behind the scenes to improve it. Of which, course, of course. Which is really cool. And then we have people like you that are working on education. And so I want to hear more about Bitcoin data. Tell us um, from your, you know, Bitcoin journey, you understood how it would help uh, you save money and uh, not lose value and not be debased and that it can help Africa and, and women. So from there on, how do you make the jump to betting on yourself and, and starting uh, this, this uh, you know, project or whatever you, you know, you'd like to call it to help women understand and get on Bitcoin? Okay, so, so, okay, so my project is called Bitcoin Dada. And one of the reasons why I decided to do this, okay, let me just um, explain what Bitcoin Dada is. So Bitcoin Dada is a free educational program um, that is designed to help African females learn uh, about Bitcoin in an easy, simple, and relevant uh, way manner. So our classes are mainly online, but we do have practical sessions uh, where they learn about wallets, both hot and cold. Um, they also learn on how to properly store their sites and um, general wallet security measures, um, as well as stuff like Bitcoin mining. You know, we find them, um, I realized that for them to actually understand the core and the importance of all this, we need to also have practical classes. Uh, we also have Bitcoin meetups where they get to interact with existing Bitcoiners. Uh, these classes or these meetups are quite interesting for them, you know having to interact with other Bitcoiners, having to talk to them, ask them questions, listen to their experiences. Um, It's really interesting watching them um, interact with these Bitcoiners. We also have Twitter spaces um, where we host key players from the industry and um, uh, key players from the industry and they talk about different topics on different Twitter spaces. So, Basically, that is what Bitcoin Dada is. And uh, the reason why I started Bitcoin Dada is because I felt with everything that I've learned about Bitcoin, how it, how it has impacted my life as well, how it actually is um, a tool and, and, and a unifying currency for us Africans. I felt like, hey, uh, since the majority of men are already uh, dominating the space, Uh, we need more females, you know, we need a female touching the Bitcoin ecosystem. Um, And uh, I looked at the several challenges that face women um, were in terms of um, getting to learn about Bitcoin. And if I could just outline some of them is one, the lack of education, you know, um, the same education being too technical. Uh, Let's say, for example, if one has access to the internet because lack of technology is actually one of the barriers. So assuming one is able to access this information online on the internet, then they find the information being too technical, which discourages them to continue learning. And then the fact that most of the spaces, I mean, most of the events are male dominated, this also discourages women um, to actually want to participate and learn more. Um, so these are some of the challenges that I looked at and said, okay, um, and, and, and it 
I remember you were there at the beginning and we went through this uh, with you and um, we, we sort of like had the same, you know, you being in the West and me here in Africa, um, some of these challenges just, it's not even just in Africa, it's worldwide, just because you're female, then you actually get to experience this. So Bitcoin Dada came about because I wanted to make a safe space, a safe community where um, females can actually come and learn without feeling intimidated. They can come and learn and share their own experiences, you know, and actually get like an entry point into the Bitcoin ecosystem. Um, yeah, so that basically that is it. And and I, I, have I answered the, the question? Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. And I will also add that um, Bitcoin Dada, what does Dada, do you want to say what Dada means in Swahili? Yeah, sure. <laughs> So Dada is a sister, sister. Uh, so sister, like in, I remember when, when I was trying to decide which name to give it, you know, there was Bitcoin queen, Bitcoin females, Bitcoin ladies, and it wasn't really resonating to me, to me. So it came to me actually, and I think I told you this before, it came to me around three o'clock in the morning. I was just sleeping and I was just doing my own thing. And then it just popped up Bitcoin Dada because, hey, your sisters, you want this to be sort of a community. Why not Bitcoin Dada? And it's perfect. It's a perfect name. It actually makes the female, when they read about it online, they're like, oh, okay, Dada. You know, Dada means sister. So they're like, okay, the, the name itself is warm. So let me just see what Bitcoin Dada is all about. And then the fact that Swahili is spoken by majority of Africa. So when they just hear Bitcoin Dada, doesn't matter from which uh, country they're coming from, they know what Dada is, so, yeah. And I love the logo also, which is uh, the face of an African woman and the map of Africa is her hair. And then her earrings are the B of Bitcoin. I, I love mm -hmm. it. And of course you would get this vision uh, at 3 a.m. because I feel like you never sleep. You are so hardworking all the time. So it's not surprising. <laughs> And um, I also remember, yeah, like sitting in on the calls and what struck me was this one time, it was, I think the first or the second course that you were doing, you were teaching online in Swahili. And I remember all the women were kind of quiet. I didn't really know what you were talking about because it wasn't so Swahili, but um, and then then I think you asked like, why, why take this Bitcoin course? Like, why are you ladies here? And, you know, a lot of them were saying, oh, because I hear Bitcoin's the future, I want to understand why, or I'm actually interested in Bitcoin, but um, it, I went to a Bitcoin meetup and it was all men and I was getting like harassed and mm -hmm. realizing that even if the information is out there, even, you know, if it is out there online, it's too technical uh, and it's not, it's not an equal playing, you know, field. And then if they want to like actually connect with people and ask them like, hey, can you just like explain this to me? Or I just have some questions like then you get flirted on, uh, maybe sexually harassed, stalked. You know, there's like a real threat and danger to your life as a woman wanting to learn about Bitcoin and gain financial freedom. And I thought that was fascinating. Um, but you obviously heard more reasons. So like, what, do you remember any other reasons why women wanted to learn about Bitcoin? Of course, uh, the, the biggest, um, I think the, the common one is them coming saying uh, they want to make an extra income. I, I think that's so common. Even with myself, that, that's, uh, that's the mentality that I had, you know, when I heard about digital assets and cryptocurrencies, I was like, 
uh, maybe I could make an extra buck or this thing can make me a certain percentage of profits over time. So that is one. Um, so other reasons, um, and, and this goes back to what we talked about, the domestic violence, and you'd be surprised, you know, my, my last class, um, I had a woman, a, a, a student, she came to me and said she had that with Bitcoin, she can actually be in charge of her finances. And she talked to me about what has been going on. And I said, okay, fine, uh, I'm going to show you how. So some actually come seeking solution to even personal matters, you know, because they know with Bitcoin, no one can trace, you know, they, they, no one can trace their finances and no one can control them. So uh, there's that particular case for me, which was very special, and I, I still hold it dear to my heart. You know, uh, Bitcoin has actually helped this particular student in just being able to take charge of their finances and control of their life back, you know. And there's so many other reasons that you've given out, uh, just be, being able to feel uh, uh, safe and secure and not being uh, intimidated. That is another reason. Um, uh, the other reason is just them being wanting to uh, to be aware, you know, um, not being left behind, you know. Um, what other reason do we have? I think those are the main reasons that actually they they, they start the cl these classes. Yeah, I mean, and those are huge reasons. Like they're so significant, and and when they come into the courses, these are free classes for them. Mm -hmm. um, and they're online, like you said. So you start, and um, you know, you start with like what is Bitcoin, and like you, you said, you also go over, uh, you know, how is Bitcoin created, what is Bitcoin mining, because somehow everybody feels they need to understand the technicalities and of Bitcoin mining to understand Bitcoin, and and then how do you buy it, and how do you store it, how do you protect yourself from scams, and like that's so such important work that you're doing, and and I can also I also remember like later on in the first cohort at least. Um, the women that were just like constantly interrupting you with like jokes and and questions and like it, the education became theirs and they were so excited and this I mean I just remember being like so touched and I was not understanding anything anybody was saying but mm -hmm. all I heard was laughter and like just such support from the women and and you being there answering all the questions that were coming in which was impressive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I try as much as possible to make the classes interactive, to make it relatable to their daily lives. Um, that actually makes them understand the importance of Bitcoin to themselves, to their families, and to us as Africans. Um, yeah, I think it's important to have it interactive. Uh, I remember those are class we did, and I actually made um, one of the students posted it um, on her timeline. I just saw it, and I had a very, very big laugh about it. We had a class about the Lightning Network and um, <laughs> Matsankura, the founder of Matsankura actually was the one who was taking the class through it. Um, it was him and Nolene. And him being a tech guy, of course, he explained it in a tech way. So, and then we had the girls in, in my inbox, they're saying like, Marcel, either I am too dumb or I think I'm in the wrong class or, uh, why not actually say that, um, I'll be honest, I was actually closing my eyes to see if I can concentrate and get whatever he's saying. <laughs> and, you know, we had to do, like, I had to do that class again. I had to redo that, the entire topic again. And, um, yeah, so, so this is one of the reasons why 
Bitcoin data is there for, for females because most tech guys uh, don't, don't know how to teach, you know, they are good, they are perfect at whatever they're doing. But when it comes to breaking down this information to non-Bitcoiners, and it's not just to females, even to other males, um, information just flies over their head, you know, and, and I've, I've noticed this even in Bitcoin meetups. Uh, we attend these Bitcoin meetups, the information is too technical. At the end of the day, uh, you get out of these meetings, you've learned absolutely nothing. You probably yeah. just learned check words, absolutely nothing. And I don't think that is that will that will get us anywhere. Making things too technical will not get us anywhere. Yes. You know, yes. and and the burden is on on you to make sure the person mm -hmm. understood. If the person didn't understand, that's not on them, it's on you. Like you shouldn't be able to use any technical words when you're explaining Bitcoin. And, and that mm -hmm. requires you to think about it and mm -hmm. to come up with like a pitch and, and that. But no, this yeah. is why your work is so important. And then after, so your courses take about uh, like a few weeks, right? To mm -hmm. About, about uh, six to eight weeks, depending on the class, the level of understanding, yeah, and the activities that are going for that particular class or cohort. Yes, and you give them assignments as well. Yes, we have assignments, we even have exams. So yes. they even actually graduate at the end of the course. Wait, so what kind of assignments do you give them and what's the test like? Okay, so the assignment is based on what they have learned as well as other topics that I might not be able to cover in class because, again, I cannot teach the entire um, concept about Bitcoin. Some of the things, you know, I'm also still learning, you're learning, nobody knows has the entire information. So sometimes I give them like topics and I tell them, hey, go and read on this and then you come and make a presentation, you know. Uh, so we have that. And uh, when it comes to exams, again, Whatever assignments they were given, our exams are based on whatever assignments they were given and what they have learned in class and even the Bitcoin meetups that we have. So we cover all ground and we, we have a section A, section B and section C. So section C actually uh, involves on what you have learned as an individual about Bitcoin uh, that is not uh, included, that was not included in our course outline. I see. Interesting. And so then do, do they're going through for six weeks, going through the courses, and then every now and then, well, they'll have assignments, they'll have tests, but then you also host meetups. And so women yes. are coming, are they coming from all around Kenya or just Nairobi? Okay. So this really depends on the availability. We do not close. Um, we, so this is not like for certain people or certain geographics. It's It's open to all. So if we have like the last meeting, we had people coming from, okay, uh, places like Meru, th those are like other towns in, in Kenya. So it's open to all. And also our Bitcoin meetups are, are not strictly for females. So what we do, we try and make the audience to be 70% female, 30% male. And I remember the first time we did this, the males were actually offended. <laughs> Funny now. <laughs> They were offended. They're like, yo, where are the other males? And I was like, this is the reason why I do what I do, because the same way you're feeling uncomfortable, and these are females, the same way we feel uncomfortable when you actually get into your meetings and it's male dominated. But yeah. again, uh, let me just mention, we are not against men. Uh, it's just that we are trying to um, make the space more inclusive for female and just trying to 
um, help them gain confidence that they can actually attend these spaces without fear of being judged, uh, maybe by the other gender or other just other Bitcoiners in the space. I love that. I mean, if we want adoption, we're gonna get a, we're gonna need a lot more women to get on Bitcoin. So it's absolutely. And and the graduation that sounds exciting. What what is it like? It's quite exciting, and for me, that is like a, a major flex. You know, having to train newbies. You know, um, and having them stick till the end. It's not easy. You know, the concept of Bitcoin is really foreign and uh, introducing it to the, to to them, to people who've never heard about this before and actually uh, encourage them, encouraging them to actually stick to the end is it's it's a quite a big task. So other than the students being happy about it, uh, it's for me, it's just like um, an achievement for me having a, a certain number of students getting to that um, to, to that level. And the graduation is not for all female students. I mean, all um, students from Bitcoin Dada, because there are certain things that you need to accomplish. One, um, your attendance has to be about 80%. And then of course, pass the exam. Attendance also in Bitcoin meters and the Twitter spaces, this will also um, determine whether you graduate or not. So how, seeing my students actually being committing to learn, you know, that gives me hope that they, they really need, really, really need these classes. And for the graduation, one of the reasons why we do it is just to tell them like, hey, you've gotten this to this level, this is not the end, but at least you have a foundation. Now you can go out there, you can join the Bitcoin ecosystem and actually do something for yourself. Um, so the graduation is held, we've had like two cohorts graduating. The first one had like 13 people. Um, and then the, the last one we had like 16. So in total, we've had roughly like 30 females graduating from our classes. And um, like I said, one of the reasons why we host this is to just uh, tell them like, hey, you've got it to this level. Now you've grown your wings, you need to fly away. You know, the other reason we do this is to encourage other females, you know, that they also can be, they also can do this, you know, it's achievable. So in some way, this creates like, um, an image of role models. So my students some sort of create an image of role models to other females. And it has created like um like a, a great increase in interest in other females who actually see these photos online or who actually attend these um, graduations because I allow my students to bring in uh, their friends and family to attend this. So um, and even in this uh, graduation, like the last one we had, we, also, we had like a panel session where we discussed Bitcoin, the importance of Bitcoin in Africa. So other than my students also learning about this, the community that shows up, the, the audience that shows up on that particular day also gets to learn uh, about Bitcoin for the first time, which is really encouraging and which kind of spreads the word about Bitcoin. Um, and also it eradicates the misinformation that we have about Bitcoin um, with these graduations and the Bitcoin meetups in general. Um, so for, for, for the graduation, we give our students some little gifts, you know, some souvenirs, if I can call them that, um, some merchandise just to, the, the, to help them remember, like, I started this. We also have certificates to show them, like, you know, just to make them feel like you did this as a female, considering all the lies that we've been told, you know, the society and norms, 
you know, all that you've been told, you did this, this certificate is, is here to show you, like you did this, you achieved this, and this is yours, you know? And it's quite interesting. I can also give an example of another student who also told, shared with me and, say, and said, like, you know, when I started these classes, my better half told me like, you can't do it, you know? So that particular day, I had two students who had problems. Um, the last cohort, I had two students who actually had challenges in making it, but they did their level best to get here. One was because of the partner, you know, he was like, um, you're lying, you couldn't have made it to this level, you know, you're a female, blah, blah, blah. And then the other one, it was actually the parents, you know, and she was telling us through um, at the graduation, she was telling us, like, you know, my dad didn't see it as important, you know, but for me, this is it. It, it shows me like I've done something with my life and I'm willing to do something for Bitcoin, you know, uh, in future. And I'm hoping to also inspire other girls. And for me, this really encourages me to continue doing what I'm doing. And with the graduation, it also exposes them to other companies, you know, Bitcoin companies. I have one class, I have one student from a student who actually been taken by a Bitcoin company. For me, that's also another achievement. So I she's earning because yeah, yeah. And I was so happy, you know, I'm so happy for her because now she's earning, you know, she's just straight from campus and into um, employment. And I also have my own uh, assistant, Brenda. Um, she She's also making money through Bitcoin. That's also an achievement. And that is why I push for the graduation. Um, what else can I say about the graduation? Um, yeah, I think that is it. That basically covers it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. And I can imagine that it's an emotional day and they get so excited. I've seen a few pictures that you posted on Twitter and mm -hmm. everybody looks so radiant, uh, so mm -hmm. smiley, so happy. And then they all have like the matching t-shirts and mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful. I was going to ask you, like, if you could share some success stories from some of the students and you've done that, like, uh, you, you mentioned, um, one of them got a job, um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, are there any other stories that you can share? Yeah, yeah. So of course, one got a job from with another Bitcoin company, and then I have my own community manager. You know, I was able to like take her from my from my class. So is that? And then they also recently I shared a tweet about uh, one of the students has started accepting Bitcoin as a form of payment because she runs um, a herbal store and she gets her products from um, Nigeria, Ghana, and Uganda. You know, so with Bitcoin. I remember when she joined the class, her biggest reason for joining the class was she missed an opportunity because the lady who was supposed to send her the goods, the products, wanted to send um, uh, to pay her in Bitcoin. And she was asking her, do you have an account with Binance? I need to send you Bitcoin. And my former student, Sarah, uh, didn't know anything about Bitcoin. And uh, because she was a bit slow on it, you know, she tried... Um, she tried uh, searching for answers. She's tried looking for information. It was too complicated for her. And she ended up lying on these um, network marketing scams, gimmicks, you know, mm -hmm. and that opportunity, she just lost that opportunity. So right now she has the information and she's been able to set up a payment system for her business. And now she can import her products, you know, easily and cheaper. You know, and we also have um, another case. One of my students is trying to start her own podcast. 
you know, she started off with Bitcoin and I am rooting for her and without Bitcoin that I don't think she would have gotten that confidence to actually do that. Um, we have students who have decided to actually trade. So they're doing spot trading and P2P. So at least it's earning them some sats in the meantime, because um, again, these are students who are just in the house and right now at least they can be able to earn. Mm. What is the name of the student's podcast? Uh, so I can check it on YouTube. She's called Aurelia. So she started it on uh, YouTube. Um, I think I'll be, I can be able to share her link probably with you. Yes, and, and then, uh, yes, please it, do. So we can support her and I can put it in the show notes as well. Um, yes, that's, yes. That's so amazing just to see like how everybody learns about Bitcoin and then the, the path that they choose for themselves. Like you said, you know, some of them is like implementing it for their businesses or starting a podcast or or trading, like to each their own, right? And it's just so cool to see how it, it inspires people to take action and just to like mm-hmm. improve their lives. Oh my gosh, honestly, that is so cool. It is so amazing what you're doing. I, I feel so inspired by you. Um, it, it's yeah. absolutely incredible. I can't, it, you've like, there's been, from what I'm seeing, like such growth and you only started this last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I can't believe that you're doing all of this on top of your day job and just that you're giving away basically all your free time, all your energy to helping women learn about financial freedom and, and Bitcoin and like being available. I know that you're available to them even after uh, class hours and even after graduation, like your your phone and your email, it must just be blowing up all the time. And so honestly, on behalf of all the women and and the Bitcoin community, thank you so much for all your work. Like. I think more people need to know about what you're doing and and to help you. So like, can you let us know how we can help you? Okay, so, okay, so of course we need all the help. Like you said, um, most of my time is spent with Bitcoin Dada students uh, and uh, it's kind of affecting my other businesses, but because of the passion and that I have towards um, the female or the girl child, uh, I, there's nothing I can do. I can't give up on them because if I do, who will they turn to? You know. Um, so one of the things that I think we need help with is, of course, mentorship, uh, role models. I think it's very important to see um, our students to see other female doing this. You know, so that um, interaction with the students from, from other female Bitcoiners will really help. Um, and financially also, that will also help in terms of buying resources for the classes, in terms of even just being able to expand the team. Currently, I only have two people who are helping me out and who I can manage to pay. And the payments actually come from my own um, funds. You know, so that is even why I do uh, forex trading because with events it's a seasonal thing. Like right now in January, there is no, there are no people are not doing any events in, in Kenya. So the forex helps me actually in paying um, um, these two employers of mine. So with our funding, uh, it will enable me to expand the team, even just have a business development manager um, to help me with. Uh, isn't the bad burden uh, of my plate. Um, so currently we have, um, for those who would like to, our listeners, for those who would like to support us financially, we are on Gaza Fund. Our project is live on Gaza Fund. Um, and for those who would actually also like to support us, maybe um, they can reach out to me on Twitter. 
So they can just inbox us on Twitter. That is Dada underscore Bitcoin. And if you'd want to ask like a direct um, what um, address to, to our address, you can, I mean, to our wallet, you can ask us through our Twitter, which is Dada underscore Bitcoin. Again, uh, we are live on Gazer Fund. You can just direct your contributions to our project on Gazer Fund. And um, we need more trainers. So um, if anyone is feeling like they want to teach a certain topic or they want to you know, be part of the training team, feel free to reach out, out to us. We need, we need trainers because currently, again, uh, um, I am doing um, majority of the training. Um, I have been able to get two or three people for the next cohort who are willing to, to teach the ladies on certain topics. But that, again, that is not enough. So if anyone is feeling like they would want to train one of the topics or just be part of the class, you know, just having somebody also in the background sometimes encourages and creates that excitement for the ladies, you know. So I think that was some of the ways that we would need help. And if, if you are willing to, to teach, uh, please remember to keep it very simple. Yeah, of course. <laughs> So, uh, you know, let's, I think maybe we can start to wrap up because I know it's your night. Um, uh, so what is the ultimate dream for Bitcoin data? Where do you see this in, you know, two years, five years, 10 years from oh now? My God. Five, 10 years, I would like to have like a center, a Bitcoin center for females and kids, not just for females, even for kids. I love that. Yeah, because I mean, Children are the future of almost every, you know, generation. So I feel us being female, um, female concentrator or female focused, it's it will be so easy for us to actually even train uh, the kids um, uh, about Bitcoin, you know, and even just have like um, other initiatives out there. Um, once we have Bitcoin data well established. Start even just building schools around Kenya, you know, uh, with whatever we are making with Bitcoin data, because we really need that. Education is really lagging behind in certain parts of Africa. I mean, certain parts of Kenya, and it will be it will be like a dream come true if I have like four or five schools, you know, built because out of Bitcoin data, you know, have a center where actually we can, women can learn coding, you know, Bitcoin development because we don't have that. You know, so other than just them learning about the basics and the foundation of Bitcoin, have a center where we have all these departments. We have the dev side, we have the coding, we have the education side, you know, um, that will be a dream come true for me. I mean, that is a big, beautiful dream. It is. <laughs> no one can see me, but I have such a big smile. Like, I love that so much. Like, that gets me so excited. Um, okay, we are, we go, yes, we will um, try and get the word out so you can make this dream a reality to try and get, you know, tell your story and, and your ultimate dream with Bitcoin data and get as much funding as, as you can. Is there anything else you want to share with us before I let you go? Okay, so I think the only thing I would like to add uh, on my dream uh, or what I how I see Bitcoin data in future. I would also love to have Bitcoin data in other countries, not just Kenya, have a Bitcoin data in Nigeria, South Africa, you know, Uganda, because again, we need this as African, you know, and 
teaching or educating a female is basically teaching the entire community because I've seen it even with my class, my classes, you know, you tell, you tell them about a meetup and they show up with everybody. It doesn't matter whether they're males, their kids will show up because they, they, it's easy for females to actually spread word as, as compared to males, you know? So, and that is my, my goal is to actually spread um, the adoption of Bitcoin across the continent. So if we can have Bitcoin data in South Africa, uh, Ghana, whatever, whatever, I would be so that would be like a dream come true for me. Oh my gosh, this is beautiful. I love this so much. Okay. Thank you, Marcel, so much. You're such, I, I said it again. I, I feel like I'm just a, a parrot repeating myself, but you're, I think just an incredibly hardworking woman and you have such a big heart and such big passion for this. And, um, you know, you're, you're going to, you're changing the face of, of Africa and, and the face of Bitcoin as well. And it, so thank you for all of that you do. And I hope you're taking, you know, time to rest and recharge because this is a, an incredibly big dream and we're going to need you to be healthy and rested to, to make it happen. Well, if I have, if I have extra pair of hands, then I would definitely take the break. But for now, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to have to do what I have to do for now. Because again, if I put the button down, then... No one's doing it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But thank you for hosting me. Thank you for having me on this particular podcast. Oh, you are amazing. I want to hear more of you uh, on other podcasts and other people's Twitter spaces and conferences. I'm rooting for you. And if you ever need anything, I'm here. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank so much. You. Talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Post production by Murdoch Media.